0: I had these unsettling feelings and I, I couldn't shake them. And I tried and, and there was nothing apparently wrong. I mean, the turkey was delicious. The pie was plentiful. I was with my family, I was with my friends, but there was still these unsettling feelings and I couldn't really name them. I couldn't name what was sort of beneath the surface of of my heart and of my life. And I just c- could name that there was just something unsettling, just something not, quite right. And so I did what I do when I, when I sometimes feel these unsettling feelings, I, uh, I turned on Jimmy Fallon and, and, and I don't know if you've seen it, but like a hundred, he must've done it a thousand times when he does his Donald Trump impersonation. And it's, it's absolutely hilarious. He puckers his face up to one and then he like wafts his hair. And then he just says, he says that, that Trump tone of like, hey, you know, it's like, it's, it's hilarious. It's like, how does he do this? And, and even that didn't sort of shake off the unsettling feelings. And then I kept watching because, because Jimmy Fallon interviewed Adele and how amazing is Adele? And I'm surely this will lift my spirits, right? I'm like, hello, you know, and I'm ready. I'm ready to have my spirits lifted. And even after a fantastic interview, I still felt deep in my heart that just this unsettling feelings. And, and I, um, so then I, I downloaded Adele's CD and just like played it in the back room constantly because she is brilliant, right? And every, every song is amazing on the album. And and I, I couldn't f- quite feel right that we're in this moment where we've turned the corner, right? Where Thanksgiving is coming to an end and we're headed to Christmas, and I'm supposed to feel all this joy, all this hope, all this excitement, and yet there's this unsettledness within me that I can't quite name and. And then I turned on the news and I was just looking at what's going on in our world. And it was like this ache just became real for me of everything. And I know you all know, but we've got this Syrian refugee crisis and these pictures of these poor refugees living in squalor living in all this pain, it's, it's just unbearable, this, this death and this hunger that's happening in Iraq. And then we have uh, this week, 130 people were mourned in Paris and in Belgium over this terrible tragedy. And you just think about the number of homes that were weeping over their friends and their family members not being with them. And then um, I don't know if you saw that the Turkish government shot down a Russian warplane. And now you've got this war that's on the horizon between Turkey and between Russia. And it's just so unsettling. There's just so much hopelessness on the horizon. And if that's not enough, we have this gunman at Planned Parenthood that we prayed for, that's really quite devastating, right? Nine people affected, three officers wounded, a community mourning. And then of course, um, the racial tensions again in America are just at an all time high. With, with another shooting of a police officer of an African-American man in Chicago, Laqueen McDonald. And I just had this, just this unsettling of like, when will this all end? You know, all across the world, there's this despair story after story and it's just overwhelming almost. And so I turned back on my Jimmy Fallon and even that doesn't do it for me to find this hope, to find this love and, doesn't it all feel hopeless? Doesn't it all feel unsettling at times when we look at what's going on in our world? And, and then you throw on this, like our desire to try to love our families and all the tensions and aches and pains we experience with that. And it's unsettling and it's hard, but we are making this turn. We're making this turn to Christmas and to the season we call Advent and our earliest Christian relatives, our mothers and fathers in this great faith tradition, they didn't call it one day, they called it Advent, Adventus, this 30 day journey, this four week season of expectant waiting. And it started to dawn on me that it's okay to feel unsettled, it's okay to not feel like in the Christmas joy, joy spirit yet because our early Christians taught us you have 30 days that hope is like this great muscle. Hope has to be trained into us that in this 30 days, we have this waiting and this aching, this preparing ourselves for this child, this small child that somehow changes everything and infuses our life with meaning and hope. I love the way Marilyn Robinson, the famous novelist and author who just wrote this great collection of essays. She actually has a whole essay on the incarnation on Emmanuel, God with us. And she says, it's the apocalypse event in human history. And I love that, apocalypse. event. And so we come to Advent, we come to this season, whether we're ready or not, we come and we're trying to prepare our hearts. But on top of all this preparation, maybe some of the unsettling is all the expectations that come with this season, like Christmas dinner better be perfect and right, and the gifts and the stockings and all that stuff that we put onto it and we come to this place, this community of believers. And we're, we're supposed to challenge one another to, what, what can we cut away that's unessential this season? How do we experience what it truly means to be in an awe and wonder of a child that's supposed to change everything? And thankfully we have these 30 days, we have these four weeks to prepare ourselves to get this story, to get these songs into our hearts and into our minds. So this four weeks of expectant waiting, and I absolutely love what this writer, Joanne Chittister says about this time. She says, Advent teaches us to wait for what is beyond the obvious. It trains us to see what is behind the apparent. Advent makes us look for God in all those places we have until now ignored. And so Advent allows us to sort of like retrain our eyes and our sight to look at those places of distress and despair, but to see them through the eyes of hope, through the eyes of a child who comes to infuse the world with great love and hope. So Advent is like this retraining period for us, this reawakening of what we think hope is. And so why, why this waiting? What possibly could happen in 30 days to grow this hope in me? And I think that there's a couple things as we wait, we allow ourselves to slow down. We allow sort of the frenetic pace of what Christmas means for so many of us with our parties and our schedules. We allow ourselves to come to this place for one hour a week and to gather around the table with our families and to slow down and remember hope is coming. There is hope in this manger. There is hope for our world. And it's when we slow down and find, find ourselves lost in the songs of Christmas that we can find that hope. And why we wait is because often the deepest, most profoundest truths of the world can't be said in quick fix slogans. Like the amazing, incredible beauty of the Christian faith is not tweetable. It's not an Instagram photo. You know, it's a great mystery that can only be experienced in the depths of our souls. So we slow ourselves down We hear the songs of Christmas. We encounter this mystery beyond all our quick fix slogans. And we wait for this internalization of hope, for this embodiment of hope, because ultimately Advent is about our own transformation and the transformation of the world. And I don't know about you, but to change and to grow, that's hard. And that takes time. Growth is not something that happens overnight for any one of us growth takes a hard long time. I had a theology professor um, who's my, my mentor, my advisor professor, and he's this 80 year old Asian man. And he's so funny, he's got two PhDs cause yeah, no, that's what PhD people do. And he says, he always starts his class by getting a PhD is easy quitting smoking is hard (laughs) and I loved it because it like made the class like superhuman. And he just confessed that like, uh, it took him 30 years to quit smoking, but getting two PhDs, no big deal. So we wait for that human change. We wait these 30 days and we hope that hope can come to this world and love can be infused. And we learn to see all the despair of the world in new and wonderful ways. What do we do? while we wait and this Christmas, we're calling what we do, uh, ancient vinyl. And what we're looking at is in, in the Bible, there's all these incredible poems, these ancient songs that would be put to music. And so each week that we gather with one another, we're gonna look at some of the greatest poetry in the Bible, some of the greatest songs, ancient vinyl. So we'll look at Isaiah, we'll look at the gospel of Luke and we'll literally Um, train ourselves to hear the songs, to hear the music of Christmas, to hear the song in the dark for our world. So we come and we listen to this poetry and we dive into it and we learn to, to, to put it on our lips and to put it into our hearts. And I love what this man says about the power of poetry, the power of song, Jay Perini says, the language of poetry can, I believe, save us. It can ground us in spiritual and moral realities, teaching us how to speak about our lives and how indeed to live them. So Advent, over, over whatever Advent is, it's about learning how to live again. It's about learning about the incredible mystery of this apocalyptic event of this Christ trial and how it infuses the world with great hope in great love. It's about learning to see the despair in new ways, to see how God is always at all times, working underneath the systems and structures of our world. Um, I've been reading a poet named Rumi, who's a Sufi poet, and his poetry is, is simple. And his poetry is, is meant for, for, for the common person. And he has this beautiful poem about the power of music and the power of what it means to hear music again. And it goes like this. The water hole is deep. A thirsty man climbs a walnut tree growing next to the pool and drops walnuts in one by one. He listens carefully to the sound as they hit and watches the bubbles. A more rational man gives advice. You will regret doing this. You are so far from the water that by the time you get down to gather the walnuts, the water will have carried them away. And the man throwing the walnuts replies, I am not here for walnuts. I want the music they make when they hit the water. This beautiful poem about the power of music, about the power of hearing these ancient songs again and again, about the power of what it could mean that these are the songs that ancient people have said for thousands of years that have brought them hope. The first poem of Christmas is from Isaiah 9, two through seven. And it says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. So we notice about the first few lines of this ancient song, this incredible pull to hope. This incredible like like from from wherever we are in our distress and in our our unhopefulness and despair of the world, this incredible pulling to remember that God is at work, that God is doing something in the world, and it's not a hope that's sort of naive or sort of uh simple or um you know sort of like flippant, but this deep sense of hope that this is the God who has acted before, and this is the God who will act again, and then the poem continues it says for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, all that painful stuff that's on their shoulders, you have broken as on the day of Midian for all the boots of tramping warriors and the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. So all these images of all that despair, wars that are going on, And then it goes on and it says this, a funny thing. It's talking about the Assyrian army that has come and all the wars and battles and all this is gonna be broken. And then it goes, breaks into this incredible line. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time for forevermore." So out of this great poem, we get this this, um, huge concept, right? Of this despair and this warfare. And the answer the poem gives us is that a child, a vulnerable, fragile child. And it's almost as if the poem is telling us, be careful where you look for hope. Be careful what news you read because this child, this one in a small manger in a no-name town that no one knows, this is where the very hope of the world is to come. So on the first song of Christmas, we're challenged of where are we looking for hope? Where are we finding it? We're asked to look to the small things of the world, not to the big and mighty and to the powerful structures but to the most vulnerable, to the the care of of those things that we think insignificant in terms of our worldly standards, we're called to sort of realign how we measure things in our world. And this is the child. And don't we all want to hear the music of Christmas this year? Don't we all wanna find that hope? Don't we all wanna sing these songs and and learn that this hope is coming? Don't we all wanna see that change within ourselves and that change within the world? I think that three things are are just sort of important as we make this journey together. We need to commit as, as sort of a community to read and reread these poems, to let them be on our lips and in our hearts, to let them be the very songs that we sing. And then we need to sort of take note as we sing and as we read these songs from the scripture to, to um, note our despair and the despair of the world to sort of register it of this is where I'm feeling despair. This is where this is not matching up, but to keep lining it up to these beautiful songs to do this sort of back and forth motion of these songs of hope, these songs of beauty and our own despair and to learn to retrain our eyes to where the hope is. And then lastly, we started with that beautiful hymn, O come, O come Emmanuel. And it was written in the 12th century in Latin to begin with. And it was as if they were summarizing all of the Bible's great hopes in this one line, O come, O come Emmanuel. And let that be the prayer on your lips this Christmas. Let that be the prayer that drives you over and over again, singing it again, O come, O come Emmanuel, God with us. My friend uh, was pastoring in a small town And he, in this small town, what they did was they organized the the sort of giving to those who were, um, to to, to those in great need, they organized it. So all the 10 churches got together and they did like a ministerial alliance where we'll put our money into one pot and we'll take turns on the holidays for those who absolutely need emergency care. So my friend just happened to get this call It was just after Thanksgiving, Advent had began and this family was at the gas station. Everything was shut down except for this gas station. And my friend gets this call and he goes and meets this family, a young man and his wife, and they're headed to LA because he's got a construction job and they didn't realize it, but halfway through on their trip, their car is broken down two times and that took all their money. They have no gas, they have limited food. And is there any way that the church could help them out. And so my friend said, of course, and he took him down to the hotel and he knocked on the hotel door and the, the man was, it was late and the man um, came out and said, I'm sorry, all the rooms are filled. So the, the second default that the ministry of Alliance had done is that they allow people to stay at this one particular church And it's not an ideal situation. They just had some cots. They just had some simple blankets, but at least it was a warm place. And my friend filled up their gas tank and got them some groceries. And and as he um, opened the door of the car and shook the man's hand, and then he noticed that the woman, the young woman was pregnant. And uh, he was hit by the sudden realization that, that this story This story of the hope of a child and what it brings to our world just sort of jumped off the pages at this early December moment. And he was putting a couple in, in the inn was full and he's putting a couple in this church. And it just gave him this sense of like, we've got this season, this, this hope is coming. And this man and his family, they're trying to get to LA. And this child is the hope that is driving them. And this is the mini story of our life, this story of this hope that has come to us in Christmas. Can you hear the music of Christmas, this hope that is coming? We're on a journey together and and to see and become more this Christmas. I invite you um, as you come forward this morning to, to take one of these hope notes, to let this scripture and let these questions drive you deeper into this mystery of hope. Amen.